ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. It's a historic day in Denver where for the first time they'll be throwing a parade as the host city of the NBA champions. The Nuggets have accomplished the unthinkable and now the city can celebrate. But through all of that, what we're actually learning is that the biggest star on the best team is only getting more difficult to figure out. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. we got a lot to break down today, Harry, including parade talk. I'll have some parade updates of my own as I'm about to go get turt in Vegas this weekend for the Stanley Cup parade. But, you know, I keep thinking about Denver. And here's the thing. Let me just ask you a question, Harry. You've accomplished a lot in your life. You ever get trophies, like significant, really big deal, oh, my God, trophies that you just, you, you remember the moment you accomplished them? You ever get a great trophy? Oh, of course. Yeah, and did, did you ever lose that great trophy? Like, you ever you ever no. look around one day and no. see? Like, I I don't know what it's like to get a trophy, but I can tell you that like the the most significant things that I've accomplished have been like gold, platinum records, a Grammy certificate, these things. Right? They're all hung up at a place where I know where they are. Right? Like, I know exactly where the biggest baddest moments. Like, Harry, well, you got game footballs behind you if you're watching this in the app. Right? Like, you can see that that's a significant moment. The, you know the, where the those mo- things the are. The most important one is the one up here. The day that my daughter was born, and the Titans gave me a football for that too see you know exactly where that is i can't imagine being nikola Jokic, who lost the nba finals trophy like literally he told malik andrews that he left the trophy in the room of one of the equipment managers when he went back the trophy was gone doesn't really know where it is doesn't really seem that bothered by it but it speaks to how different Jokic is because i'm not sure he really cares about any of it and you and i have talked a lot about what's next for the Nuggets, what's next for the NBA, all of these things. But let's remember that when it comes down to what the priorities are for Nikola Jokic, he's not wired the same as we are. This is what he said specifically in his sit-down with Malika Andrews when he was asked if he was the best version of himself. You're the finals MVP. How close do you feel like you are to your personal peak, to the best player that you can possibly be? I really don't know. Um, I think I can be much better. But you need to still sacrifice yourself. But uh, basketball is not the main thing in my life. Uh, it's uh, something that uh, I'm good at. I'm just happy that as a team, you know, individuals, if I'm an individual, I'm going to play some other sport, of course. Wow. Should I say this, Fitz? The rest of the NBA should probably be lucky that basketball isn't the most important thing in Nikola Jokic's life. Because if it was, would he be that much more greater? But let me say, let me say this. What did he say that I have no problem with? Because I'm going to tell you a story. Um, I was playing with the Tennessee Titans, right? And my daughter was born. And it was during OTAs. And after my daughter was born, I was going to, you know, rush back and, and go back to practice. And my head coach told me, don't rush back here. He was like, this is your first child. This is a special moment in your life. There are more things that gr- that's greater than, you know, just practicing football. And man, it really it really hit me. But it took me to the end of my career to realize that, you know, football was something great that I did. But no, it wasn't the most important thing in my life. And I think that's one of the things that that Nikola Jokic understands right now. And I believe he's 27 years old at 27. Right. His family is the most important thing in his life. And I don't think it's a problem with him saying that at all. Like he values what his family means to him and. 
he's still able to go out on the basketball court and have his game in a place to where he can win back-to-back MVPs, be a major candidate for a third one in a row, and then go to the NBA Finals, win it, and win Finals MVP. So it just shows you that, you know, the most important thing things in people's lives aren't just sports. There's more to life than just sports. It's one of the things that he does in his life. He has many more, you know, uh, attributes to, 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 to his uh, repertoire, I should say, that he endures and feels like needs to be priority over basketball. But he's damn good at basketball. It is funny when you think about just what you're saying right there and the simple concept that it's almost like the movie The Other Ones where it's like, oh, you know, Mark Wahlberg is just learning ballet to troll his ex-girlfriend. Like, there is this moment of like, ah, you know, I do basketball. I, I play basketball because I like it. It's fine, but it doesn't define me. I I feel that in some ways to my core. I was very lucky to be one of the best in the world at what I did. I say with tremendous humility, I, I would have put the way I, I performed as a musician up against anybody. I would have put my resume up against anybody, my skill set up against anybody. I didn't love it. That's why I do what I do now. I do this because I love it. And when I was leaving the band and when I was leaving the music business, everybody thought I'd lost my damn mind. Everybody here. Like you go to the buildings of the bosses and I'd sit down and say, no, 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 I want to work here. And they would say, why? The, the number of times I would meet with department heads that were like, okay, what's the biggest crowd you ever played in front of? Uh, roughly 125,000 people. Why would you leave that to do this? And it's like, well, you can't control what feeds your soul, right? Like, and so obviously what feeds Jokic's soul is different, and I think we have to really keep that in mind because when you talk about who the Nuggets are and when you talk about what the Nuggets have accomplished, let's be real for a second. I think that there are fans today that are more, uh, let's say they'll enjoy the parade more than Jokic will. There are fans today that are more passionate about a parade in Denver than Jokic is because obviously look at the way he reacted when they won. It was, yeah, great, we did our job, we can go home now, like, it, to him, it is, it, it's funny, and again, I'll say, like, I used to always say right before every concert we played, I used to always text, a time to make the donuts, like the old Dunkin' Donut commercial, and after every concert, I would always text money earned, and it wasn't because I was cynical or hated what I did, it's just because it was my job, like, this is my passion, that was my job. Jokic's job is obviously basketball, his passion is obviously life and family and, and Serbia and everything that he comes from and what makes him who he is. I respect the hell out of it. I just think it's a variable we need to remember when we talk about how many championships will he... Like, for all we know, Jokic is going to win and, and do whatever this year. Look around and say, man, I'm worth $150 bucks. I'm going to go home. But look, let me say this, though, Fitz, because I don't want people to be misconstrued by what Nikola Jokic said to Malika Andrews. And no parts of that is is he saying, you know... I don't take basketball seriously. I don't work on my craft. I don't work on my game. He's only saying there's other things in his life that is more important than basketball. That's all he's saying. And that thing might be family. In which, when I look at him looking at his daughter uh, staring at the, uh, the finals MVP trophy and I see him celebrating with his brothers and how much it means to him and that whole nine and how he wants to you know, get back to Serbia that's obviously number one in his life and nothing, um, not even the game of basketball is going to come between that. And I, I respect that value that Nikola Jokic has. But Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. That's part of why he's a difficult superstar to figure out for so many people. 
right? Because he's not going to get fired up about a lot of these legacy conversations. He's not going to sit here and get fired up about what everybody thinks of the way he plays. He's not even like his coach who constantly gets fired up, Mike Malone, about how much attention they get. He's not worried about any of that. Jokic is just worried about – and you you make a great point and, and a very real point. You can work your ass off and be the best in the world at what you do. It doesn't mean that it's the thing that drives you. That happens a lot for people. So, you know, being great at basketball isn't what he wants to define him. So that makes it even more difficult sometimes to figure out most of the time in this situation when you're a two-time MVP and a finals MVP, now you're going to be selling Wheaties. You're going to be selling Gatorade. You're going to be selling all of these different products for everybody. And we're going to go on first take and say, how many championships do you have to win? And that player is going to get fired up about it. And he's going to have a podcast where he claps back. That's a modern NBA. In the meantime, he's like, y'all do all of that you want. I'm going to go play with my horses in Serbia. Like that, we have to start to accept that the biggest star in the league right now is somebody that today, the MVP in all of these ways, is somebody that actually doesn't care about being the biggest star in the league. And that's wildly different. And, and I respect the hell out of it. And we see his relationship with his teammates, with his coaches, his relationship with Jamal Murray. And you can easily tell the way Nikola Jokic plays the game of basketball that he's just his values are just different. Like he's not a guy that's worried about how many points he's scoring, how many assists he has. He just wants to play the game of basketball the right way, get his teammates involved, but he doesn't want the attention on him like that. Like that was evident, you know, at, at the end of the game when they're interviewing him and all he wants to do is celebrate and, and honor his teammates and the coaching staff and people within the organization and the fans. He doesn't want the attention on him. And that's okay. But one thing I do know, he's going to bring that hard hat every day in that lunch pail. He's going to go to work. And if you're not ready to play and ready to go to work, he's going to embarrass you and make you look stupid in the process. Yeah, yeah there's no doubt he, he cares about being the best at what he does because he has pride in his work. It just doesn't define him. And I think that's a healthy actual perspective for somebody at that level. By the way, everybody in Denver, have the time of your lives. Uh, Zach By, our buddy that's been on this show a few times, I know I've seen him already posting at the parade. Have the time of your lives. Be safe and celebrate every single second of it. This is a cool moment for that fan base. Coming up, just when everybody wants to tell you that things are going to be fine for the Bills, we're going to tell you one reason why, frankly, things are only going to get worse. That's coming up. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Steph is not here. How concerned are you about that? Well, very concerned. So clearly, something is wrong in Buffalo. I think there's something else that's bothering Stephon Diggs that I feel like the Bills organization needs to address so they can move forward. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Everybody's going to try and tell you that things are fine. Resolution has come. Everybody's on the same page. That's the bill of goods we're going to be sold with the Buffalo Bills. But I'm just going to tell you straight out, I'm not buying it. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Again, quickly, Harry, I'll just tell you, I'm on one. All right, flying to Vegas tomorrow, the parade, Saturday night. 
telling you, I cannot wait, right? I'm going I'm to be putting my feet up, putting my feet up, hanging out in Vegas for a couple of days. <laughs> got myself a spot at the parade. Got myself a spot. Like, I don't know how most people are going to be watching the parade, but I know I'm going to be watching it right. Oh, God, I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> more parade breakdowns to come because I know that's really I'm what America cares the most, most about. Oh, I'm going to make it rain for a couple of days in Vegas again. Uh, but in the meantime, a lot of conversation happening around the Buffalo Bills. And it's all about this drama with Stephon Diggs, uh, who, remember, Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Bills, told us uh, that he was disappointed he wasn't there, only to have everybody say he was there, only to have McDermott walk it back and say he was excused to not be there for practices, but was there for the meeting. It's been a whole whirlwind, and Josh Allen, the quarterback, has come out and essentially said, hey, uh, everything, uh, everything's fine. We just got some things to clean up. Everything's going to be just fine. Nothing to see here. Harry... You tell me, man, you played in the league for 10 years. Uh, What I can't make sense of is right now it's super easy for us to say, hey, we're all on the same page. What happens when we get midway through the season and there's been a few games in a row where Stephon Diggs hasn't been the focal point of the offense? What happens if they lose a couple of games in a row and it feels like Josh Allen just isn't finding his guy? Like, I don't think you just easily bury moments like this. Well, let me say this first. What Sean McDermott said yesterday is what Sean McDermott probably should have said the first time around, Fitz. And I think we, we wouldn't have this chaos that we're, that we're having right now surrounding the Buffalo Bills. Nor would I, I feel like you would have had Josh Allen up there saying the things that he said that added more fuel to the fire. But you bring up a good point. What happens if they say everything is good right now, in which Stefan Diggs on his Instagram this morning posted a picture of him and Josh Allen and and, and, and tag Josh Allen, Josh Allen reposted it with the fingers crossed, like they're all good, kumbaya, until a situation arises, you know, during the football season when Stephon Diggs isn't the focal point and is not getting the football. And let me bring something up to you guys, right? Because when you're a number one wide receiver, then you're going against another opponent that has one of these top dogs in the National Football League as well. You want the football because you want to outshine the other person. Whether players admit it or not, I'm telling you, you want to outshine the other person. And I'm going to bring up a few games. Game number one, Monday Night Football versus the Jets. Primetime stage. The world is going to be watching. Aaron Rodgers is on the other side. You have Garrett Wilson, who got Rookie of the Year. A lot of people are looking forward to seeing that connection between him and Aaron Rodgers. Well, guess what? Stephon Diggs want to to outdo him or outplay him on the Bills side of things. What about when they play the Miami Dolphins and you got Tyreek Hill on the opposite side and Tyreek Hill is putting up big numbers from Tua and let's just say hypothetically Stephon Diggs isn't getting the football the way he should be getting it. Or on Sunday Night Football against the Cincinnati Bengals when you have Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow connecting, let's just say hypothetically Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs aren't connecting. How is Stephon Diggs going to fall? Uh, feel. And you go on and on. They play the Eagles. They play the Chiefs. They play the Cowboys. They play the Chargers who all have a quarterback wide receiver or tight end connection in which if you're on the opposite side you want to outdo those guys now don't get me wrong winning is the first thing but if their quarterback is feeding their guys and then you aren't getting fed or you know feel like you're being used the way you should be using big games like this you're going to feel some type of way and you might revert back and be upset and mad about it i love what you just said harry douglas jason fitz about winning because we always say winning cures everything I would argue winning masks everything. There's a difference because if they win four, five, six, seven games in a row, but we, you know, and and all of a sudden Stefan just feels like he's not being used and it's just, it's deteriorating and he can't say anything and he's not a focal point, but you just have to deal with it because you're winning. Then all of a sudden that one game comes out where you're not utilized at all. Now you lost. That's when everything explodes. Like more often than, and and this is the part that I, I just keep going back to. 
you know how much time is spent in that locker room with everybody, right? Like, you start thinking about, they always tell you, football players are around each other more than they're around their families for month after month after month. This happened all the way back in January where he didn't get the ball enough and it felt like there was something going on. We're sitting here right now, this late in the summer, and it's still festering when they've had time apart because they didn't communicate. Now, you're going to put them in the same practice facility for hours a day, endless day after day after day, away from their family through the grind of the regular season. And you're going to tell me that things are just fine? You can't. I don't care who's listening right now. If you work in a team environment with coworkers, you know that thing that really pissed you off, that thing that got under your skin, that thing crawls back every time it happens again. Well, now, all of a this. sudden, do this. Put those hours in? There's no way this thing. He's gone. Well, let me say this, and I think it's much easier when you have an offensive head coach that understands the offensive players a little bit more so than the defensive coaches does. What is Sean McDermott? He's a defensive guy. Mm. So I'm not going to sit up here and say he doesn't understand Stephon Diggs, but maybe it needs to be to another level, right? Maybe you need to get to know that side of the ball a little bit more. Not saying that you don't know him, but maybe a little bit more to understand how to approach them and what makes them tick and what makes them go off. Like, I thought offensive coordinator I had, Dirk Cutter, did a phenomenal job of that because it was plenty of times where I felt like I was going to blow up when it came to certain things. But it was just that he sensed it, and he would say to me, hey, you know, it's okay to be the assist man. You know, John Stockton was a great assist man. And he would just say, like, you know, sometimes everyone can't be Michael Jordan, but you can be Chris Paul and get the assist. And just that little bit of reference from him made me see things in a different light and allowed me to control my to, to control my emotions. It's all about communication for a coach, right? And yep. it's all about communication for players. And the fact that we're in this spot and there's still this problem with communication tells us that everybody involved isn't doing what they have to do to fix it. I don't think it gets fixed during the regular season either. This is what Dan Orlovsky, ESPN football analyst, said on Get Up about whether or not he's concerned. Harry, tell me what you think. We have to go back and understand this as well. That Last year was Ken Dorsey, their offensive coordinator's first year as a play caller. It was his first year calling games in the playoffs. Greeny, go back to last season when you and I would talk about the Bills on Monday mornings. And everyone would sit there and, and I would say their offense is third in hope. It is really third down and hope Josh Allen makes something happen on third down. They were far too reliant on his special talent. So this is all a little bit of a growing process with who Stephon Diggs is in this offense under Ken Dorsey as their play caller. He's just a highly competitive player. I am not overly concerned about this. He will be playing for Buffalo and playing at an incredibly high level this season. Now, I don't give Ken Dorsey a pass because Ken Dorsey is the offensive coordinator, but it's not like Ken Dorsey wasn't with this team before he became the offensive coordinator. So how in the hell do you not know Stephon Diggs? That blows my mind. You was on staff before you became the offensive coordinator. So you should already know how Stephon Diggs ticks. You should already know that, right? If you're surveying, you know, people along the offensive side of the ball, and if you're a quarterback coach, you should know what the receivers are feeling. You should know how the receivers are moving at all times. And I understand you have your position of quarterbacks, but who do quarterbacks throw the football to mainly, Fitz? Yeah, wide receivers. Wide receivers. Wide receivers. But also for Ken Dorsey, you have to understand who your best player is outside of your quarterback, Josh Allen. Well, and, and Sean McDermott 
and Josh Allen also have to understand who their player is. They've all been around him long enough to make sure that he's getting fed. We'll keep breaking it down as we get more drama, which right now seems to be happening every single day. But coming up, does one of the biggest NBA stars need a bigger stage to shine? Fitz and Harry, the podcast. There are chapters to the NBA season. There's the chapter of the regular season that gets some credit. There's the chapter of the postseason that seems to get 99% of the credit for the league. And then there's the offseason, which frankly gets the most drama and gets people going all over the place. And sometimes it brings us wild rumors. We need to break all of those down. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And to help us out here, we want to bring in one of our buddies. He's like family here, and he also happens to be on the best show in all the land, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Jay Williams uh, hanging out with us. Jay Will, always appreciates your time, man. Thanks for saying, you know what? You've already had a long day. You've already done a bunch of work today, and you're hanging out with us. means the world, man. We always appreciate it. How you doing? Yeah, come on, come on, Fitzy. Like you're my guy. Harry's my guy. Evan Wilner's my guy. I mean, this is the crew. So I'm down for anything the crew wants to do. Look at that, which we always love and appreciate. Uh, let's start with the Pelicans. Obviously, a lot of speculation about what they could or should do with Zion. In your mind, what's the right approach for the Pelicans and Zion Williamson this offseason? You keep him. You keep Zion, and, and I know that people are starting to gear towards the direction of trade him, but like. Here's what I'll ask you, because I just got into a whole argument with Kendrick Perkins about this on first take. He's like, you can't trust him. I'm like, if the narrative is out there that you can't trust Zion Williamson, then you're going to get pennies on the dollar for Zion Williamson. Now, look, if Zion Williamson is telling David Griffin and, you know, Trajan Langdon, the GM there, that he does not want to be there, then fine. You make that move. But if there's a chance that Zion Williamson actually wants to stay there, and there are questions around his commitment to the game, which I understand. I, I think you have to have a series of difficult conversations with him about, hey, the way we have done things has not paid results. We have to change the way things are done. No more just going places in the offseason and training. You're going to stay here. You're going to train. We're going to monitor your body fat. We're going to keep your conditioning down to a certain level. And Because with him, guys, with him, they were first place in the West for extended periods of time. They were second place in the Western Conference for extended periods of time. And when you think about B.I., Brandon Ingram, C.J. McCollum, and Zion have played a total of 10 games together. 10. And that's how talented they would be. I think their upside and their ceiling is way higher than it is with Scoot Henderson if you're trying to trade up for him in the draft. And I say, Jay, when it comes to Zion, the only thing that I have questions about is – does Zion love being in, in New Orleans? Does he love it to the point to where you don't have to put all those things into a contract? He doesn't have to be motivated. You, you know, once you get to the National Basketball Association, you, you, you should grow up. You got to grow up at some point, right? He's been in the NBA for four years now. And can he be accountable to himself? Can he be trusted? When you look at it from that standpoint, do you think Zion loves being in New Orleans? I don't think so. I mean, with the way he's treated the organization, Harry, 
with uh, how he's dealt with injuries and how he's dealt with their staff. The problem is, though, like, you know, if you're another GM, like if I'm the GM of the Atlanta Hawks and I'm sitting like thinking about Zion, I'm like, is Zion going to love it here? Like, what's going to be the difference here if that's the case of how he treated people back there? Well, you want, you want me to answer that one? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I might make me more worried, Harry. I might make you more, more worried. In the ACL is a random example. Now that I smell where you're going, you feel me, though? Yeah, no, I feel you. But l- let me ask both of you guys. That, like, I, I, This is a genuine question. You guys both played in the league and had to grow up. I I didn't. I've said a million times, if you handed me the wealth that you hand these kids when they come into the NBA, I would have blown it too. Like, I wouldn't have done well with my life. Like, I wasn't ready for it. Like, Jay Will, if you're an organization, and whether we're talking about Zion or whether we're talking about Ja, any of these guys, what do you need to consider when it comes to your roster construction when you've got a young player that maybe you're trying to figure out how to get on track? Like, who's the guy that does that? Yo, I'll I'll tell you a guy that I think for, like, Ja would be Draymond Green. Uh, Draymond Green's up for he can opt out of his contract, right? If I were Memphis, Dylan Brooks wasn't it. Draymond Green is it. Like he will be in Ja's corner. Nah, Ja, we ain't doing that type of stuff here. Stay your butt right here. Don't be around those people. We trying to win a chip. And and Harry, I would love to hear your perspective on this. Uh, look, I went to a an, a young team where the team was rebellious. I didn't have any vets around me. I should have been smarter, but I put myself in a bad position. A lot of athletes. You know, people keep trying, like, when we say, oh, John Morant's 23 years old, you know, or, you know, Zion Williams is 22 years old. I'm like, nah, man, they're 22 years young. They're 23 years young with a lot of money, with everybody acquiescing to everything that they want to do. If you don't have the right vets around you to help you navigate what this new lifestyle is, what this new addiction to fame is, what social media is, and how to navigate that, you, it, the odds are stacked against you. It ain't easy. You know, Harry, you came into the league, it came from a different no. perspective. But when everybody wants to give you something, it's hard to say no. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Jay, I, I was blessed. And I was fortunate because when I got drafted to the Atlanta Falcons, I was here home. I was right here in Atlanta playing for the team I grew up with. But I had a Brian Finneran who was a veteran. I had a Roddy White. I had a Michael Jenkins. I had a Tony Gonzalez. I had a Justin Peel, who's now the tight ends coach for the Atlanta Falcons. I had all these vets. I had Lawyer Malloy on, on the defensive side, in which I got in a fight with the first damn day we was in pass my rookie season. But that's my big brother and the person that I looked up to while I was in the National Football League. I had a ton of people. That's why I get upset at these teams, though, Jay, when they try to get rid of these veteran players and want to go 100% young because I don't think it does justice for these young players because you need those guys to sit there and tell that young player, even though we grown grown men, shut the hell up. This is what we're going to do, and you don't have a choice. This is how we're going to do it. This is the standard, and if you're not going to get with this standard, we're going to make your life a living hell. Exactly. It's, he's Jay Williams hanging out with us. It's uh, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Uh, I could talk about this with you guys all day, but we do have to get another question here. Bradley Beal uh, obviously being the big conversation piece for everybody. Jay Will, uh, knowing that Bradley Beal might be on the move possibly, where do you think the best landing spot would be? Golden State Warriors. Ooh. The Bay Area. And it's not even a question. If you're telling me you want to extend the championship window of Steph Curry, Right, You have some big decisions to make. It's obvious that the chemistry of this year's team was messed up. You, give, you gave Jordan Poole a big deal, right? And I like Jordan Poole. 
You also have Clay Thompson, who's going to be a free agent uh, the following year. He wants a max contract. I am willing to state publicly that if you want to extend the championship window for Steph Curry, I look into moving both Jordan Poole and, and Clay Thompson to the Washington Wizards for Bradley Bills. Imagine a lineup in their continuity system in which they run, in which you had Steph Curry, Bradley Bill, Andrew Wiggins, and you get Draymond Green to buy back in. Now, if you're able to keep guys like Domingo, you can go out and find, damn, I would even bring over uh, a guy like Dwight Howard back from Taiwan, right? Like, uh, there are pieces In you which he find. should be in the NBA with bigs needed. I don't, I don't understand it. Exactly, Harry. Especially with Nikola Jokic, you need bodies to go against him for fouls, right? So think about how Bradley Bill, another dynamic guard who can create off the dribble, who doesn't come with the same kind of drama, doesn't have that, and you can build around it. That gives you your window for the next three, four, five years. Yeah, Jay Will, as always, it's brilliant. I hadn't thought of it. That's why we love having you come on and uh, educate all of us, man. Thanks for hanging out with us this afternoon. We really appreciate you, brother. All right, boys. Have a good one. It's Jay Go Braves. Co-host of Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max, hanging out with us. Obviously, you can check them out every single morning. He just gave a wild scenario. We're going to process it and figure out, is Jay Will right? Is Bradley Beal the piece that could recreate a dynasty for the Warriors? Fitz and Harry, the podcast. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We were just talking to Jay Will, Jay Williams from Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max. Asked him a very simple question, and the answer made both of us perk up. If you're watching in the app, we both immediately sat taller in our chairs and said, what, what, what? The simple question <laughs> was, I don't know why I'm such a moron, Harry. I just realized as I was doing that. What, what, what? I'm not an idiot talking to my dog in my living room. Some days I think I forget that. Uh, the question was, what's the best landing spot for Bradley Peel? And without hesitation, very definitively, Jay Will gave us this answer, Harry. Golden State Warriors, Ooh. the Bay Area. And it's not even a question. If you're telling me you want to extend the championship window of Steph Curry, Right, You have some big decisions to make. It's obvious that the chemistry of this year's team was messed up. You give you gave Jordan Poole a big deal, right? And I like Jordan Poole. You also have Clay Thompson, who's going to be a free agent uh, the following year. He wants a max contract. I am willing to state publicly that if you want to extend the championship window for Steph Curry, I look into moving both Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson to the Washington Wizards for Bradley Bill. I mean, the way he puts it together, Harry, I, I just never had thought of it, and it seems sacrilegious to move on from Clay. But in a lot of ways, this makes sense. Now that's that's with the lights of signing Draymond Green as well, right? Right, the Golden State Warriors getting him to okay. buy back in. Yep. Yeah, and, and and here's the thing about the um, that trade, if it was to happen, and a lot of people may say, okay, Clay has been one of the um, pieces to the puzzle and one of the originals. Yes, I understand that. Clay Thompson has won four championships. And the Splash Brothers have been phenomenal. I understand that. But we got to remember, Bob Myers is no longer there. Bob Myers stepped down from his role. So it's going to be somebody else that's going to have those shoes. So let me say that, number one. Number two, I think 
moving forward, when it comes to the Golden State Warriors, I think you have to do what's best for their team more so than being in your feelings. That's something my receiver coach taught me very, very early in my career. The game has no time for your feelings. And I think the quicker the organization, when it comes to these decisions, get over that, I think the better off they may be. Do I think Klay Thompson is a phenomenal player? Yes, I do. I had the utmost respect for him, had a chance, uh, many opportunities where I was around him when my brother played out there in Golden State. But I think moving forward for the Golden State Warriors to, you know, have new splashes, have new juice within that organization, I think that trade would be a decent one. Uh, now, there would be a lot of pressure on Bradley Beal as well, though. Um, pressure, number one, to play a full season because in the last four years, he hasn't been able to do that. And I know Clay battled his injuries, but also to be that secondary piece to Steph Curry because we know how phenomenal Steph Curry is, but you still have a guy that's 6'4", Clay Thompson is 6'6", a guy that can shoot the three ball very effectively, can also drive to the hoop, can shoot a high percentage from the free throw line um, as well. So I wouldn't be, you know, I, I wouldn't frown upon that trade if it was to happen. I, look, it stuns me a little bit to think about it, but in some ways I can see where it makes sense. Part of what they're going to have to answer regarding Clay is about money, right? And, and this is yeah. why I should never run a team. Because I'm loyal as a person, you know that. Yeah, like there, there's some level of me that would want to keep the people around that got me there all the time. But if you're Clay and you're 33, by the middle of this season you'll be 34. And as Jay Will just alluded to, you're going to want another max contract after this one. The Warriors are going to have to ask themselves a really tough question: not who got us here, but who will continue to get us there. Like that's a much different question with a much different answer. And as much as I think any of us that are basketball fans enjoy watching the Splash Brothers. That's not where you can just sit back and decide that you're going to let leave everything if you're Golden State. You do have to start to think about what moves you forward. And they tried to go through the draft and build the next generation of culture. It's become very clear that the guys they brought in either didn't get it or don't have it, right? So at some point, you do have to figure out what sets you up the best for the next five years. As long as you have Steph, you're going to have a chance. So what are the best pieces you can put around? And if you're Bradley Beal, you go from being invisible in an organization that has a better chance every year of the lottery than they do of winning an NBA championship to suddenly that pressure to be on you to win, but also that opportunity to go in and win. I, I think this is the rare, hey, this could make sense from a lot of different sides. I I actually really like it, and it speaks well, to what Bradley Beal can provide. Well, also the age the age difference, too. Like, Clay Thompson will be 34 in, in February. Bradley Beal will be, I believe, 30 in, the, like, the end of this month. Yep. So you do have, like, you know, a few years of a difference there. And Bradley, in which Bradley Beal is younger. So though, though you have to look at every aspect of this. Also, the money is a big part of it, Fitz, like you brought up. Um, but everything has to, has to be looked upon in order in order to make this work. Yeah, it's this is wild because Bradley Beal. We talked about it yesterday. The name and the money don't necessarily support uh, each other the same way. Like Bradley Beal is not that guy anymore. He's not him, as we love to say all the time. But Bradley Beal can be a key piece for a team that's in the right window. Yes, but also when it, when it comes to the Golden State Warriors, if they do this deal, now you have a, a Kaminga who has to step up more. You have a Moses Moody who has to step up more, in which I think if those guys have the right attitude moving forward, they can do it, but it's all about mindset. Yeah, that's the other part of it, stepping up. Young guys stepping up, taking that next step is going to be a huge part of how the, the Warriors figure out 
what's next. What's next for us is to get the reaction to all of this from a future Hall of Famer, an absolute legend. We'll figure out where he thinks Beal should go and what the right place is for Zion next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 